Hey, all you Trek Live crew members, this is Trek Live Dan. Just wanted to say thank you for dropping by the podcast feed. Just a friendly reminder that this podcast is recorded live first on our YouTube channel, so definitely um, stop on by to join the discussion. Without further ado, enjoy the show. And we are live for episode 158 of Trek Live. How you doing this morning, Dan? Doing good. Sorry for the late start. I was having some... Technical difficulties with my um, design programs, uh, so I appreciate you guys sticking with us uh, with this late start. Yes, it, it happens. <laughs> yeah, live concepts yes. at times. Yes, um, but we are very happy to be here. Uh, we're going to be returning to uh, this is our third time with this no prep idea. Um, for those who maybe have not uh, seen one of these before. Um, we basically use the memory alpha random article generator to take us to someplace completely random. Like we just click it, uh, we'll share our screen. Uh, Dan's gonna share his, click it, and whatever pops up is gonna kind of spark our conversation. So it could be an episode, it could be a character, it could be a prop or a set or a ship. Like, and then it doesn't have to be like strictly confined to exactly just that one little thing but it's a it's a starting point and i'm just gonna talk for an hour about whatever yeah based on what this uh what the what the article generator gives us um we've had we've had a good time with this a couple times in the past we don't like to overdo it maybe a couple times a year we'll do it um so i'm sure we'll return to it at some point later in 2021 but it's a lot of fun and yeah definitely enjoy it here at Trek, um, the random article yeah go yeah. ahead sorry so here at Trek life we support tangents and i think this is just this topic <laughs> idea is is really pushing that envelope so uh it's it's always a fun time going to a conversation where i don't even know because a lot of the times um both Bill and I have kind of a general idea of what we want to talk about, things we want to mention. It's 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 not scripted, but we have you know uh, kind of a, a timeline or you know a layout of kind of where we want to go with the conversation. But this, it's uh, not that we do not have that. So no, a little nervous. No. So yeah, it's always a little nerve wracking. You never quite know what you're going to get. Uh, that's definitely. Uh, yeah, it, 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 it's it's nerve wracking until you get something. And the last couple times we've done it, I think we ended up kind of like relieved, and we got something that was like, okay, all right, we can we can we can have an interesting conversation with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, this kind of all spawned from uh, we've mentioned on the past on past shows. Uh, we I think we always at this point mention our Discord server, and we we have these Trek After Dark hangouts on occasion. Uh, where whoever's whoever's there uh, can kind of just hang out with us. We watch episodes, we play trivia, we just kind of casually hang out with each other on the Discord server, on video chat or on audio chat, whatever people are comfortable with doing. And uh, the way we typically will figure out what episode we're going to watch is we'll use that random article generator. Um, and whatever it kind of lands on is our is our episode at the moment, or we'll do a best of three kind of a situation. But uh, we definitely lean into this uh, conceit for yeah. more than one thing. Yeah. So, looking forward to it. Uh, anxious and nervous for sure, mm-hmm. but definitely uh, looking forward to what we got going on. So, what um, what um, Cyber Honey is suggesting try to get each other's top five season finales. That might be on our short list. We might end up yeah. doing that at some point. That's something that's I, I think that's not outside the realm of possibility. Yeah. Uh, 
Where are you on your rewatch? Oh, sure. Uh, so I watched two episodes this week. Uh, I watched Little Green Men and uh, Sort of Kalis. Um, yeah. Both in my money, for my money, pretty two pretty good episodes. Little Green Men is kind of more of a comedy. It's kind of a fun little romp uh, with yeah. uh, kind of the Frangi trio and Odo. Um, uh, just, just really funny. Um, Star Trek doesn't do comedy strictly um, a comedy episode, but I think this is as close to a comedy episode as we're going to get. Um, there's some fun sci-fi action-adventure stuff with it, but also there's some really good uh, laugh-out-loud moments in it. So, Sword of Kalos, uh is probably my favorite of the two just because I'm a big Cleon guy, and it, and it dives into the backstory of the Cleons and the mythology. Um, so it's, it's just all good stuff for sure. Yeah. Uh, the sort of KLS is really good catnip for anybody who loves the Klingon history, mm-hmm. uh, Klingon culture stuff with core and going back, like all the discussion about KLS and like I said, just Klingon history yeah. and her, like the, the, it really goes deep. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's it's a good early episode that kind of really does help establish like Worf's place in yes. the dynamic. It establishes his kind of chemistry with Dax. Uh, it's 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 like an early attempt to lock down that dynamic. Um, it, it's a it's a fun it's a fun episode for sure. And uh, Little Green Men, I think, like you said, the, the list of episodes that like really commit to the comedy uh, genre is very long. There are a few across yeah. the shows. Um, the Voyager's got a couple TOS has a couple that I think really really lean into the comedy mm-hmm. and Little Green Men is definitely one that that does uh, as well I think it's a straight up you know comedy and I, I think it's one of the better ones too I think it's really funny yeah. uh, with the with a lot, lot of good Ferengi humor for sure uh, some of some of my best some of the best I think um, use of the Ferengi mm-hmm. kind of humor I think sometimes that kind of falls flat for me in some yeah. of the other episodes that uh, earlier are very fringy heavy yeah so uh, <laughs> two good ones you're right in the thick and thin of uh, good stuff with uh, DS9 season yep. 4 coming up on a halfway point yeah real quick on just back to um, the sort of Kalos uh, there's one thing that does bug me about that episode is what is I feel like Cisco and and pretty much all of the Alpha Quadrant is a little bit hesitant uh, to go through the wormhole, just because I feel like sometimes they they depict that the Dominion is right around the corner. They're just waiting and lurking for them to come through. But this one, it's just like, no, just you know, take the rear grand, no no problem, just go for it. Um, so yeah, yeah, a minor nitpick. There is some inconsistency. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, there's definitely there's definitely some inconsistency, I think, at times with, you know, how the going back and forth through the wormhole is is handled. I'm curious, as I'm getting through my rewatch, I'm still in season two, Dominion hasn't totally been uncovered yet. Yeah. Um, I won't get into exactly where I am in a second, but uh, as you get into, like, season three, season four, yeah, there's a lot more hesitation at times to really do anything on the other side of the wormhole because you don't quite know what's hanging around the corner and what's what's waiting on the other side. So I do think there's a, at least an impression for portions of the show where that's really pulled back and you really don't want to just necessarily, yeah. you know, go willy-nilly um but at times it they they will when they need to so uh, it's definitely now that you mentioned it's something i'm going to kind of watch for as i do my own 
watch through yeah. like that season three, season four point for the war. But uh, when the Dominion is obviously there, they know they're there and mm-hmm. there's a conflict. Yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking of that, how is your rewatch going? It's going. I watched Blood Oath last night, so that's the last thing I watched, and gotcha. I love that. I think that's yeah, really a really good. great early episode of Space Nine. Kind of goes hand in hand with sort of Kalos with Core, a lot of that kind of yes. stuff. Uh, yeah, um, I think I think it's a real turning point for Dax. I, I think uh, it's it's a real uh, pivot point for for Jedzy's character, really kind of embracing that slightly more roguish, more carefree. I think in the early, early days of Deep Space Nine, Dax was almost like coming at times almost like Vulcan-esque yeah. with her very stoic. Yeah. We, we've talked about this before, uh, the, the the sort of growth of Dax, uh, Jetsy and Dax specifically, and how I think our headcanon easily can resolve that with Jetsy's getting used to the symbiont, her, her personality undergoes changes as she gets comfortable with being joined and such. Um, so that all makes sense. But this is definitely a point where I feel like Jed Zia Dax starts to feel like the Jed Zia Dax that we get like later on in, oh, yeah. in, in, in the meat of the show. Uh, really great stuff with the Klingons. Uh, Jimmy 77 uh, coming off this sort of KLS conversation mentions Blood Oath and yes, the, the, the TOS Klingons and Blood Oath, all three of those actors for Koloff and Kang are awesome. Uh Really great. There's, I, I, I really love as much as I love all the Klingon stuff. I love the conversation between Dax and Kira about what killing does to you, and uh, some really dark stuff. Um, Very dark. Talking about the, yeah. that, the Kira's experience in the occupation, and mm-hmm. uh, as Dax trying to kind of weighing her decision on what she's going to do, uh, uh, whether to like satisfy this blood oath or to you know back out of it mm-hmm. uh, through a technicality. Um, Really great, really great, really great ending. I love when she comes back and has that silent moment with Kira oh, so uh, to kind of just put the button on this on the episode. Yeah, really upper echelon Deep Space Nine, I think. Blood Oath. Um, I also watched Masks last week. That's like another uh. notable one, I guess. That's a, a rompy kind of silly, over the top. You know, your mileage may vary. Certainly, <laughs> I think it's a divisive episode, but certainly a fun time. Uh, with Brent Spiner being completely insane and some wacky production design and <laughs> just general over the topness, um, but I, I appreciated it more this time than I have in the past. I think I embraced the the wacky of it and had a good time with it. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a classic, and I wouldn't say it's a it's 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 a you know objectively great episode, but I think it's a I think it's a very valid, very understandable you know guilty pleasure for people and in a sometimes pretty dry run at this kind of mid to late point in season seven where some of the episodes are a little little kind of like dry like I said and maybe not the most exciting uh, the masks at least you know brings the wacky and, and gives it some personality and pizzazz I definitely appreciate that this time around. Yeah, I think that's that's kind of one of my biggest takeaways from that run is that Mask is, is memorable because it is a does some crazy outlandish things, but also uh, in where it is in the season in the seasons with yeah. also <clears throat> Deep, Deep Space Nine. I think it just stands out uh, because of that overtopness, and I think it it makes it a memorable episode. It may not. I, I agree with you. It's it's definitely not um, upper echelon Trek, but I think I like it because of its uh, really outlandish kind of hour. 
yeah, yeah. It, it embraces the crazy yeah that's the best way i guess i can put it like yeah. it, it, star trek can have a lot of fun with just being weird sometimes and you know embracing its premise of being wacky science fiction at times and not being not taking itself too seriously and i think masks is a good example of who wrote the, this the hazards not? of that who wrote this i think it was joe Manoski. yeah okay. yeah joe <laughs> yeah and he's yeah. you know braga gets a lot of credit for or he, he has sort of the reputation for being the one that does a lot of the crazy you know mind bendy crazy <clears throat> wacky stuff but minoski does i feel like just as much uh sometimes even wackier stuff at yeah. times like masks uh so yeah, rewatch is going well. I'm coming up on the end of TNG, coming up on the end of season two of DS9, which means I'm coming up on Voyager uh, pretty soon here. I'll be overlapping DS9 and Voyager, which I'm really looking forward to. Uh, I'm jealous. Yeah. <laughs> Good times ahead, yep. for sure. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Cyber Honey asks the question real quick, uh, which is better, masks or infinite regress, if you're talking about? That's actually not a bad oh. uh, pairing of episodes <laughs> with characters losing their minds and dealing with multiple personalities and playing different versions hmm. of people. I think, what do you say? What do you think? I still I still team masks, I think. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I do like the the premise i think it they when you think about it it, it is a good it's an interesting to me at least a sci-fi concept but um yeah i would have to say mask i think but that's a good um that's a good comparison yeah good good, good like uh double feature if you wanted to go that route i think masks <laughs> is more silly masks is more uh i think i think infinite regress takes itself more seriously and i think, think yeah. it uh, maybe is a, a more airtight, like successful <laughs> uh, episode, just like more straight yeah. line. But I think masks might be more memorable, <laughs> I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it just depends on, I guess your your preference and what you're in the mood for. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> So let's get into the topic of the day. Let's let's find out what our what our conversation is going to be. Okay. Um, we're gonna we're gonna roll the dice, so to speak. Um, and I'm as eager as anybody to find out what exactly we are going to be talking about. And I, my fingers are crossed that it's not anything, you know, completely crazy. Yeah. Uh, Bill, you're gonna have to keep an eye on chat because I won't I will. be able to. Yeah. Um, yep. I will not be able to. Oh, wait, hold on. Showing our chat for a second. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So this is I didn't I this is not our topic today. This is just I think was the <laughs> last uh, page that I was looking at. Um. because uh, we had recently talked about season three. Um. So this this is memory alpha. This is something that Bill talked about at the top of the show. We use um quite frequently. Uh, not just um for Trek After Dark, but for research and, and information. So it's a definitely a good re- resource for you guys. I'm out there looking for some, some fun articles to <clears throat> educate yourself on. Mm-hmm. Without further ado, um, go to the Explore tab, random page. Mm-hmm. Let's see where we go. Is it still running? Okay. It's, I got... The Katati, uh, which is 
a you know i think we have i think we got good stuff here I okay think we got something <laughs> we can run with it's hottie they appear in voyager's day of honor which oh, i think is a really no. fun okay. really perfect You're really right. strong episode yeah. so uh, let's let's kind of just start there i mean i i don't have any opinion really at all on the katati uh no. <laughs> because i couldn't tell you what exactly they i i, I don't think i could pull their their uh appearance out of my out of my head yeah. without looking at a picture of somebody um but i am interested in talking about maybe day of honor maybe tom bolana maybe let's do it. what that pivot point in the show is so let's let's start there and see okay. where we go from there so i know I, from what i can remember day of honor is a i'm pretty sure you're a fan right is that an episode yeah. that you're yeah I'm a, fan. Pretty fond I'm of? a fan of yeah for sure okay yeah, so I feel like that's, if, if memory serves, I haven't seen it in quite some time because I haven't watched Voyager in a few years, but the obvious A plot there is the Tom Bolana stuff, which I'm eager to talk about. The B plot, something that kind of strikes me thinking about it is we talked a couple weeks ago about the Hippocratic Oath and that episode featuring Worf kind of like settling into his place on Deep Space Nine and like yeah. rubbing up against the his old role of security and things like that. This is like a few episodes into Seven of Nine coming onto the show. And if I remember correctly, I think there's stuff in this episode with maybe Seven of Nine having some struggles with adapting, continuing to try to just find her place on the, the ship and settle into her role. So that's this is yeah, one little parallel. Yeah. yeah. Um, she's requesting a duty assignment. I see yeah. it on the picture there. Yeah. Uh, she's trying to find a role, something to do, keep her busy. Yeah. So uh, that's, that's an interesting thing, too, an early, mm-hmm. you know, very early uh, introduction for Seven of the Nine stuff kind of happening, like out of the board makeup and her typical, you know, appearance that we're used to. Um, and <laughs> off we go. That's Katani. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. There we go. Yep. Cool. We have in the chat um, Don Paris is here. Good afternoon. Good morning for us. Good afternoon for you. Uh, and Cyber Honey says. She does like the Bolana Torres admits that she has feelings for Tom Paris. Uh, Dawson, a lot of a lot of really good stuff in this in this episode. Um, really, a turning point for the show. I mean, the the, the Tom and Bolana relationship was, I think, really successfully slowly burned up, like into into season three, late season three. Yeah. I think by this point, you can kind of see the writing on the wall that this is something that they could do, but this really changes the course of the show from this point on. I mean, this, this changes, you know, Bolana's arc, it changes Tom's arc. Like everything about those two characters is really kind of fundamentally shifted here in this episode. Um, as seven of nine shakes up the show too. So this is, this is really an important point, I think along the way for, (laughs) for, uh, Star Trek Voyager. Um, yeah, because I think it, there's a lot of change up in the start of season four. Um, so this feels like even before that, I think there was, like you said, some writing on the wall. But um, a lot of change is, is happening and has happened. Um, so, <clears throat> uh, yeah, and I think, I don't know, we can, we can dive into kind of each of that each of those things but um just to kind of kick off the Tom and Bolana thing I think it's nice to see a slow burn kind of get capitalized on right in TNG there there's a, 
elements in there of, of slow burn for sure but there's there's a lot of there's a lot more will they won't they um and not just from a certain character there's a, a few different characters go through this kind of arc uh that we're going through with the day of honor as kind of one of a <clears throat> a big uh turning points for both of those characters but um yeah it's it's nice to see um uh those characters maybe change uh for the better and also to be um something interesting to be explored right a a workplace um romance where i think uh both have had some troubled pasts uh and it's nice to see um them you know working through that but also uh uh, yeah yeah i think that's definitely a major foundational point for um i think why that relationship works i think the 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 shared history not together but you know that troubled youth kind of being a lost soul Mm. you know struggling in the early years not really having a place i think there are there are clear connection points uh between those two people that make it a natural pairing um and i i completely agree that it's nice to see star trek go the route of that real slow burn that actually pays off i think (laughs) tng like you said with picard and crusher and even with Riker and troy until you know, through the yeah. series, yeah, yeah, not not the movies where you do get some payoff and beyond yeah. with Picard, but in the series, the, a lot of the Riker Troy stuff is kind of a lot of will they, won't they, are they, or aren't they? Is it yeah. like a casual thing? Or are they anything at all? Or are they friends with Ben? Like, what are they? Yeah, like, there's a lot of just kind of like <laughs> there's mystery to it, mushy middle yeah. mystery to it. There's yeah. a lot of it's a lot of questions that don't get answered yeah. on that relationship, and then with Picard Crusher, there's this bubbling. They could, but do will they ever? And then in attached, they kind of confront it and talk about it, but they decide not to. Uh, with Day of Honor and with the Tom and Bellana thing, you actually get some payoff. And you get it with Kira Noda too later on, but this mm-hmm. came first, I think, with the, the actual payoff and the actual commitment to doing it. Uh, and and it's, it's, it's nice to see. And the, the benefit of this also is that we get to see stuff that comes after. Like with Kira Noda, by the time they kind of like culminate and actually do their thing, the show's almost kind of over. You get a little bit of it in season seven, but there's not a lot of error there. Like the show's doing a lot of things at that point. They're, they're juggling a lot of balls in the air at the same time with trying to wrap the show up and yeah. get the war and all these different character arcs to deal with. And Kirinoto is certainly there and it's a big part of that show. But with Tom and Bolana, from this point on, like I said, you have seasons four, five, six, seven with a lot of airtime dedicated to this dynamic and yeah. it really does I think shift the focus of the show a little bit in terms of those two characters um, and gives the show a, a, a distinctive piece uh, mm-hmm. with, with this relationship I think it's a major thing that the show leans into a lot so I, I and it, really it, important episode yeah and it changes those characters right I feel like Tom becomes more of a, <clears throat> a, a mature kind of yeah. kind of kind of set in his ways whereas before I think it was more like a kind of bachelor you know maybe a hothead at some at at times so um it's yeah it's 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 cool to see not just tom too but um these characters make that change yeah i think yeah i definitely <clears throat> i'm listening to the i know you're not listening to it you're kind of waiting but Delta Flyers, uh, listening mm-hmm. to Robert Doug McNeil, yeah. experience watching the show for the first time in a long time and uh, not always being entirely happy with the um, 
the presentation of Tom Paris early on, finding him to be uh, a, a little a little too toxic masculinity kind of stuff. Yeah. Like I think that he, he is bothered by it. He finds fault in his own performance. He finds fault in the writing. I'm curious to see his reaction to the character. You know, I, I think what he probably remembered about the show this this point, Day of Honor and beyond, where the character's much more uh, mature and yeah. um, has has big adult things to deal with mm-hmm. with the relationship with Lana. And, uh, so yeah, yeah, you're right. I think it, it really does do a lot of good for that character in particular yeah and i i uh i like that we explore kind of a romance like i think we we do get some one-off uh relationships or just some um relationships in passing but it's nice to be able to have like a uh a main like a series regular uh in the main credits to be able to um explore that kind of workplace drama um so yeah yeah definitely and i think in episodes following this do get some of that i think in like scientific method before they've kind of like fully come out as a as a couple they're kind of juggling do we want to make this public how how are we going to do this so yeah you do get some like cool place relationship Mm -hmm. kinds of things uh explored uh there too uh coming off of this episode there's also the obvious you know i'm just looking at the screen grab uh, in the in the page you have shared uh the the technical achievement of the episode i think really holds up well you know the episode leads to tom and blonde having to go off in a shuttlecraft to retrieve the warp core i believe which kind of gets like stolen they have to eject the core and it gets picked up by these katati which is yeah. the article that we landed on which Gavin gave us this conversation uh and they have issues and have to eject out into space in the ev suits and they're floating together hoping to get rescued and think they're going to die and they have to you know be together through that experience and the uh the, the zero g spacesuit stuff i think is remarkably good for 1997 or whatever this was and i think it's really well achieved you know mm-hmm. it's it's um I, I'm always taken with the, the technical achievement of the episode, and I'm sure it was time-consuming and difficult and not the easiest thing to shoot. Yeah. I'm, I'm impressed by it. Yeah, it does feel big, right? They're, they're in EV suits, like like you said, but also they're they're ejecting the warp core. That's a that's not a, a um, you know, a, a shot that they have. That's not a stock shot. They have to, they had to uh, do that, animate that for this week, and so, yeah, it, it does feel big. It does do a lot of things. Definitely, it, it really does, and I think that's a, uh, I think that's a successful element for sure here. Um, mm-hmm. the, the the ambition of it. Um, and, yeah, good. and, I'm sorry. and um, I like the idea of this is kind of stepping away from the kind of the relationship side of this episode, but it's the, um, the kind of concept of like trying to barter with people and and, and working with aliens along the way to kind of further advance their um kind of position and things like that and kind of it kind of to me um builds off the premise of what you would expect like this this ship is making its way and we've got to find alliances and work with other people to get to where we want to go so it and in the end it doesn't go their way but i think um it just makes for kind of an interesting kind of uh, 
dynamic and, and things to think about when I think about uh, the kind of other side of the coin of this episode of um, the working with other aliens along the way. Yeah, it's kind of a core principle of forged <clears throat> premise, right? Like yeah. the, the, this this ragtag mission that they, they find themselves on and having to, you know, find help where they can. And like you said, to build alliances, give, you know, make trades <laughs> to, to, to yeah. you know, get this or get that that they need to keep going. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, they're inevitably going to deal with, you know, problematic situations and, yeah. and, and people that are not as willing to help as maybe some others. Mm-hmm. And and I think what Rob mentioned, Rob and Ian are both here as well. We have a nice little crowd in the oh, chat room. Welcome, actually. guys. Uh, we have Rob, me, and Dom, Cyber Honey, Jimmy77 was in there. Uh, Rob mentions uh, he likes Seven in this episode and her dealing with what she did as a Borg. And even, even more broadly than that, I think I like that this forces the crew, Janeway, to kind of reckon with the fact that the Borg have done a lot of damage in this region of space. And when people yeah. find out that there is an ex-Borg like, just kind of hanging on this ship, yeah, there, there may be difficulties that come from that. Like, mm-hmm. There's going to be a lot of harbor resentment, a lot of pain, you know, in, in, in the air, in this, in this region because of what the Borg have done. Yeah. Uh, so there are consequences that are going to come from that. And I think these early season four episodes with seven on the ship, uh, there, there are a few examples of that, uh, where, where seven's presence on Voyager is, is, a an added risk for the ship in, in the situation where they're already kind of at risk because they're all one and very vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it does, it, 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 I think it does good lore, her place on the ship, her duties, what she's going to do, and then what what it means for the sh- the crew and for the ship itself to have her aboard. Like, what are the consequences of this decision? Yeah. It's not it's not just a simple okay, she's here now, and off we go, and here she is living here, and like there there are things that have to be worked through. Uh, yeah. And I think this episode does a good job of establishing that those things are happening. Yeah, on the ship, which the I, show. which I like because. It's nice that it like her joining <clears throat> this crew isn't just right away. Just she fits right in. No, it's gonna take some time to work through some internal things and some external things, which we didn't get right. really with the kind of maquis. So I think that even though that <clears throat> this might be a little bit more isolated, but uh, I I really like that they do explore that for sure. Yeah, and I think it's important that they did that because I think in Scorpion, and even in The Gift a little bit, this decision was controversial. Like, this is not yeah. a no-brainer. Big this time. is not an easy thing to do, like, to keep Seven around and to, like, this is this is a, this is a risky move, and it's, it's not a clean-cut decision. This is a it's kind of a bet Janeway's making that yeah. isn't, isn't a no-brainer. So I think, you know, sometimes Voyager gets knocked around a little bit for being safe and not serialized and not wanting to explore or... Uh, more long-running things, and I think this is another example of Voyager doing more than people think it does with, you know, picking things up and running with it. It's not always what, you know, a 2020 show would do or what Deep Space Nine would have done or even Enterprise would have done. It doesn't go quite as far as some of those things would have, but but it's there. I mean, there's plenty, I think, there for, Mm -hmm. you know, a committed audience and somebody who loves the show and loves Star Trek as a whole to kind of yeah. Build some headcanon and assume mm-hmm. that are th- that there are big things happening, and there, there's enough breadcrumbs there to pick up and run with. Oh, for sure. And I like that um, at at this point, still the the Borg feel dangerous. So bringing on Seven feels dangerous too. So yeah, um, I do like that as well. 
I agree. Yeah. <clears throat> Definitely agree. Rob also mentions that the work core ejection is so cool. I think this is the first time we actually see that happen. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a lot of talk in the next generation and Jordy yelling in engineer, we're going to have to core in these different situations. And of course, you never have to. Yeah. Like they always find a way away from having to do that. Yeah, I, I don't think they ever actually do it. Uh, but in this episode, they actually have to do it. And you see it happen. Like there's a little yeah. visual effect shot of the core going out of the ship and getting left behind and off it goes. That's, that, that's cool. Uh, that's definitely it feels like a big moment in, mm-hmm. in that era of Trek because that's such a like a piece of terminology that gets thrown around a lot and we actually to actually see, see it. Have yeah. to do it and to see that it's a big deal and it, it's a pain in the ass <laughs> you know like there's a there's a now you have to go get it and it's 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 a consequential decision yeah uh, to, to have to do that yeah so I really like that too. it's taking away such an essential piece of that ship that I think it's it makes for some a fun hour to be able to kind of get that back and <sighs> do what they need yeah. to do but uh, yeah that visual effects draw is so cool um, definitely and it, and it feels I don't know it feels like it, it's cool to see that because like I can it um like the adds a sense of realism like the the it's not just like one little piece it's a big like it's decks and decks uh tall so it's just it's so cool so i agree i agree i'm gonna put you on the spot we did an episode way way back like probably in 2018 uh on our like favorite star trek romances I'm gonna put you on the spot and ask you as you're like where you are in your rewatch right now, having hmm. everything in your mind. Like, what is this, is this your favorite, like pairing Tom and Blana, or is there something uh, else kind of popping in mind as a? I think this uh, this is tough, man. You are putting me on the spot because there's some <laughs> there's some stuff in Deep Space Nine that I want to get through and I want to yeah uh, see. Um, I'd like to see the the <clears throat> Worf and Dax, uh, but also the Odo and Kira stuff is interesting. I like um, uh, Cisco uh, and and what he works through too. So uh, with Cassidy Yates, but. Oh, man, that's tough. I think it would. I think it's probably my favorite. Um, right now, if I'm talking today, looking back at it, um, but I think there's some other potentials that again, uh, there's some other relationships, but weren't really really relationships. And is that just do those even count because they're kind of more in my head? Like, uh, yeah. So. It's tough. It's definitely tough because there are tough. so many levels of them. I, yeah. I think this to me is the yeah, highest it, level one. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I guess you know, Dax and Worf get married and that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think this is the one that usually comes to mind for me most prominently because of uh, it. Just feels most complete to me. It feels like we get the slow burn, we get the build up, we get the culmination, we get this. Like I feel like the the moment where it kind of sparks into a real thing feels big and important and mm-hmm. I, I, I love what this episode does to put these two characters in a position to have to admit how they feel like yeah. I feel like that gives it weight uh, and then I think the length of time that we have left in the show to explore them being together yeah, three seasons and then it ends yeah, yeah. we go through marriage and date we get to dating and marriage and pregnancy and ends with at the very end of endgame like there's there's a there's a real arc there that 
that starts. I don't even know when it starts, to be honest. Like, I, I'm, I, one of the things I kind of always look for when I go into Voyager is, like, when do you first start to see like little hints i feel like it starts maybe at, like towards the beginning of season three and then of course you get blood fever which doesn't that's what i was thinking i was the i thought it was blood fever but it might, i was trying to think like maybe it is there might be little things before before then. that there, yeah there, maybe maybe little teeny hints prior but blood blood fever's first the first that's time the that big yeah acknowledge that this is something that they're playing with yeah um with like big red lettering mm-hmm. bold like hey this is this is happening yeah um but I do think even earlier than that, they start laying groundwork. Uh, so I can't even pinpoint like when it becomes maybe a thing. And I feel like that's real. Like that sometimes happens in real life. Like sometimes it's such a, that slow burn thing is real. Uh, and, uh, so I think beginning, middle and end, the whole, the whole picture of it, it's probably my favorite. Um, yeah. And I think this episode's a big part of it, actually. Mm-hmm. I, I think Dave Honor's major piece of that um rob mentions that the katai is kind of a callback to the Vidians for him we see how desperate a people can be when faced with oh, extreme yeah. difficulties the katai are uh, really ravaged by the borg you know a shell of their former selves or beat up mm-hmm. uh you're right i think that's a good point of the Vidians, obviously with phage and really being up against it with that biological you know medical issue with katai are just kind of hunted and uh b- 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 beaten up by the Borg, uh, destruction of their home world. I'm seeing on the article. Yeah. Um, you know, that's definitely a good call Rob, as per usual from you. Yeah. But, um, cool design too. Like it's definitely a cool, uh, very unique. I don't envy the, the actors being, having to sit <laughs> through the makeup chair to get into that. Uh, but yeah, yeah very, very unique. Yeah, sometimes the Voyager aliens kind of run together for me. Like when you when we clicked the article and it came up Katadi, I was saying that I, I couldn't like picture. They weren't popping right in my head yeah. what, what a Katadi looked like. But now that I see the, the, the little screenshot of the actor um, there, I, I do. They come immediately to mind. And I, I can hear like I definitely. Mm-hmm. And he, he definitely conveys a lot of that desperation and, yeah. and uh, you know, it's kind of defeated uh, attitude. That final shot there, I see. The, the Voyager coming into frame on the reflection of the, that's so cool the headgears yeah <laughs> yeah I think Dave Iron's a great episode I, I think it's got it all I, I, there was a conversation on Twitter earlier this weekend about like what makes a great Star Trek episode like what are the what are the principles what are the like building blocks and I responded and said you know like big science fiction concept like if it can do multiple of these things it, it, it's a masterpiece uh, was kind of the question like what's what makes a Star Trek masterpiece and big science fiction concept uh, meaningful character beats and development oh um, world building like in the, this episode's got a lot of yeah. character <clears throat> yeah. uh, some cool science fiction <clears throat> with the you know spacewalk um, being stuck out and alone in space together um, I, th- I think this episode checks a lot of boxes for yeah. me and it's just the technical achievement of it is, is a major point to that I, I can't overlook how impressive the, the the direction the visual effects work camera work for just a single episode to, to make it feel real for a single yeah, episode you might you to, might to get that done and yeah the seven or eight days they take to shoot these things i i think that this is an episode where the technical achievement of it carries a lot of weight mm-hmm. yeah because if you think about it, yeah they're doing this for just a, a, a single episode you might expect something like this from a two-parter or 
season premiere, season finale, like something like that. But uh, it's the third episode of the season, so yeah, <clears throat> agreed, totally agree. Uh, Don mentions that looking at the Katadi on Memory Alpha, one of them was in Deep Space Nine, so obviously the, the prosthetics were designed for Deep Space Nine. I'm imagining Dom maybe one of those background species walking around the promenade at some point. There's so many crazy alien yeah, yeah. signs that you just see kind of walking around Deep Space Nine. Um, that they, came they over. It out for this, which Voyager. classic Star Trek use of yeah. reusing designs and, uh, and resources. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Any other thoughts on Day of Honor? Uh, no, I don't. I don't think so. I, I, I mean, we can talk about that last scene. I really like that. I feel like uh, it. Um, I think it, it it conveys the emptiness, emptiness, the grandness, um, but also being able to to find each other in this uh, this really big, far out like world. Um, so I do really like that. And then yeah, the reflection. I forgot about that. Uh, until I just saw that down here uh, at the end uh, in the final act but um, yeah this this shot here is so cool uh, yeah, when they're really both cool kind of stuff. passing out and uh, you can see Voyager rolling up on them uh, that's so cool <laughs> yeah definitely agree the, the, I guess the other thing that we, we haven't really touched on is where the title of the episode comes from is Blan is kind of uh, one of the several points along the way that she's kind of dealing with the Klingon tradition. You know, Blan has a lot of struggles with her identity and, you know, how much she embraces the Klingon half of herself as opposed to the human half of herself. It's a, a kind of classic Star Trek kind of dilemma for, for, for a character, like how much that, that identity battle. Um, and um, that, I always appreciated that. Uh, about Bellana, that that internal struggle, because I think that's a it's call, such a calling card for Star Trek, such a foundation again thing that you know, Star Trek characters tend to play with. Yeah, and this is another example of that where she she doesn't quite feel comfortable embracing that Klingon side, and this episode is kind of all about building toward mm-hmm. you know, finding that comfort zone and deciding what what she values in herself and what 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 traditions mean something to her and what's the point of it all. Uh, Really good. Really good stuff. Yeah. Some good right um, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I want to watch Voyager. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. Now I want to watch Day of Honor yeah. at this point. Uh, for sure. I can't wait to get to Voyager in my rewatch. That's definitely a takeaway here. Uh, but it's, it's a reminder that once Voyager gets to this point, especially like that, that fourth season, Fourth and fifth season, I think Voyager really does fire. It's a high point for sure. So there's some really peaks right around this point. Uh, <clears throat> some conversation in the chat about some of the book announcements that came out this this past week. There's a lot of new Star Trek. Ian was asking anybody else that's excited about the new books announced this week. There are some. Uh, I think you kind of pinpoint. I think a lot of people. Uh, we're kind of remember back in Discovery uh, season three early on that that year gap. Uh, yeah, you you kind of I think at one point maybe we were talking about people at birth when they jump ahead of the year we get them back together and you're like I kind of want to see what happened in that year. It sounds like a book. It's a book. It's, yeah. it's uh, coming out today. Uh, Wonderlands. It's called Exploring Burnham's Year Alone. The book. Uh, so that's that's on the way. Uh, there's a Rios uh, backstory. Oh. Not- 
coming yes. uh, for Picard, uh, his time in Starfleet. Um, and there's a, there's a, there's a trilogy of novels that was also announced, um, discussed on Twitter. Um, take place in the 24th century. Yeah. So a lot, a lot of big book news this week, uh, out there. Yeah, which the, the which is uh, that's that's a, a staple of Trek. If there is always if there's been a gap, um, you know, between TOS and TNG, uh, a lot of the times the only thing holding it together was the uh, that uh, the novel universe, so a literary universe. So literary universe Just, does a great job of I think yeah. uh, exploring those gaps and filling out yeah mm-hmm. points uh, along the timeline. Mm-hmm. I know Bill and I aren't the best. We're not as knowledgeable as, as most people, but we do have a great uh, resource on the Discord server. We do have a um, a literature channel, so if you want to come discuss more literary stuff, definitely come over to Discord server. And our, our Discord server is populated with <laughs> yeah. some of the folks in the room here. Uh, Dom and Rob and Ian are all a part of that. And, uh, so if you if, if you're watching this and you would like, if you're a Star Trek novel reader and you want people to talk to about it, our Discord server is a good place to be because yeah. there are folks in there that that are very much on top of these novels and read them and are eager to discuss them. Uh, Rob has run a Star Trek book club for quite some time. You can find that on Twitter as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of successful uh, conversations been had there. Uh, so great places to go for that Star Trek uh, literary conversation. Yeah. Um, yeah. But back to the Discord server, if you're interested in joining for all these things we talked about, the Trek After Dark stuff we kind of let off with, with uh, how we use the random article generator and uh, talking about books and what you're watching, all these things are happening on the Trek Live Discord server. Uh, you can DM me at TrekFan4387 and I'll be happy to get you an invitation if you would like to yeah. join the party. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that kind of wraps it up. Uh, I will, after this gets posted, uh, if you're watching this after the fact or listening after the fact, we thank you very much. I'll put the articles down in the description um, on YouTube, and then I'll see if I can do that on the podcast feed as well. So you guys can see the progression of, okay, this is the article that we that came up. That we read. Uh, and then we got into Day of Honor. So, um, yeah, that'd be a good resource for you guys. So I, I think we... Uh, we were talking the other the last night off air about luck <laughs> and, and the, the, that's a whole different conversation but in this case i'm going to actually stand by the, the idea that luck exists and we got lucky with the random article generator and got a cool uh i got a cool hit um and gave us an easy conversation to have and a fun conversation so uh the, that's always a risky move to do the, the no prep and random article generator and lean into that and i think we're three for three as far as kind of landing on something that was a an easy, an easy, uh, yeah, jumping off point to have a have a cool conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do every <laughs> every time we do this topic. I always tell myself we should do this more. So if you guys want to see us do this more, definitely, um, yeah, subscribe or let us know uh, to uh, all our s- social media platforms and things like that because. As, as much as I do like the no prep, it also, I get to learn things uh, about the episode, about, about things about Trek that I didn't really know. And so I, anytime I get to learn about an obscure, you know, vessel in, in an, an episode that I, I really do like, then it's, uh, it's always a good time. Yeah. 
agreed. I think I think there's a room, definitely room to continue to keep doing these and make it a part of our kind of rotation. Mm-hmm. Up until now, we've kind of talked about doing it maybe twice a year, but I'm, I'm certainly open to yeah. more often than that. <laughs> With that being said, we will be off next week. There will be no yes. Trek Lab episode next week, uh, but the following week in two weeks, we'll be back with some more Star Trek content, so stay tuned. Look forward to that. Yeah. Alright. Thanks, everybody. Be safe. Talk to you soon. Yep. Thanks, everyone. Hey, this is Trek Live Dan again. Like I said before, the discussion does not have to stop here. Come over to our Twitter, Facebook, and our Discord channel to keep the Star Trek discussion alive. See you guys next time.